This week, we talk about the Twitter meltdown, tech layoffs, and other generally unpleasant things that mostly haven't affected us so far. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? I'm just having the week of my life. Uh, you know, like my Twitter bio, the first thing it says is I'm a professional hater. <laughs> I am not someone that I don't thrive in positivity. I love seeing other people fail. And God, there's just so much of that going around this week. I'm having a great time. Twitter, FTX. I don't know if you're following any of this, but I love it. STX. F FTX. Um, the one of the, I guess, the second biggest Bitcoin exchange just like completely evaporated. Like, Oh, there two days ago. So good Bitcoin hating going on and good Twitter hating going on. Really having so, a good. So you're you're happy to see people fail in industries that never should have been started. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like rooting for good people to fail, but these are bad people. <laughs> so wait, so talk to me about uh, the Twitter thing. I have been in, I've had my head in the sand. What what happened there? Like, it seems like good things are happening. Am I wrong about that? Uh, I'm I'm maybe like as much as I am a hater, like I think some of the things that are happening, if they were executed correctly, you could get behind. Like, so Elon bought it. There's all this controversy over like paying $8 for verification and stuff. Is that what you mean by good stuff? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Maybe not for $8. I think more verif like the, the way that Twitter was like be not letting people get verified accounts was really silly. Absolutely. And like, Twitter Blue, I think it makes sense for Twitter to have a subscription offering. And Twitter Blue, the previous one, was so worthless. Like, I wanted to pay, but I like the idea behind this, but the execution is so bad. So they they launch it. The only thing it does is it gives you the blue badge. They don't actually verify you. They don't, like, check who you are. So two consequences of this. One, they then launched a different badge that says official which just means what the old verified one does. So now the new verified one means absolutely nothing. And two, now anyone can pay $8 to like, uh, there's all these like huge brands or like a good version. Someone signed up as like the official George or the verified George W. Bush and like said some like, oh, I love going to war and like unjust wars or whatever. And it, like, you can't tell that it's not the real George Bush saying that. So it's just created this huge clusterfuck uh, that's a lot of fun to watch. Oh my gosh! Are, are people are the, the the power Twitter users? Are I'm not a power Twitter Twitter user. I'd put you in the category of power Twitter user. Uh, yeah, I'm like oh, I'm like B tier, I think B tier. Um, but like, what's the sentiment? Is it positive, negative, or neutral? I mean, I think pretty much entirely negative. Okay. I'm probably in a little <laughs> bit of a bubble. I'm sure like there are a lot of Elon stands out there that are really happy about it, but um, everyone I see is is pretty negative. Again, like some are like. Like Twitter was a terribly run company. Changing things from how it was being run makes perfect sense. But it just like you can't come in and lay off 50% of a company without putting any thought into it. So I don't know if you saw they laid off 50%. Then they called a bunch of people and were like, hey, can you actually come back? Like we didn't mean it. Uh, several of their head executives just quit last night because the writing on the wall, like I'm, this is not like official, but it certainly seems like they think that Twitter is breaking lots of laws now, and they're like, if I stay, I'm going to be like personally 
jeopardizing myself legally. Um, there's just so much stuff going on, and it's all a disaster. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it, what what do you project will happen? Like, is are people will this work itself out and become less of a cluster, or do you think like Twitter's dead and going away? <laughs> a week ago, I would have said like I think you could give an argument that this will be really good for Twitter. You could give an argument that it'll be really bad, and the reality is normally somewhere in between. So I would have said like probably nothing will change, but. They're making so many blunders right now and losing so much talent. Like it's hard to imagine how this works out in the end for Twitter. Which I, as much joy as I'm getting out of it, it is sad. Like I, there's not really an alternative. Um, a lot of people are going to Mastodon, but for anyone who hasn't tried it yet, like it's it's not going to replace Twitter. What's um, Mastodon? It's like this open source decentralized Twitter alternative. I I started I signed up for it like three years ago or something. Um, it's just like way too complicated, and I, I kind of think from an economic standpoint these things have to be centralized or i don't want to say have to be but like it would have to be something a whole different model for decentralization to work and this is just twitter but decentralized i I don't see it working twitter's super valuable man for real-time information like i don't where else do you go to get like a google-like search for real-time information from from peers like yeah there's no uh, like no, and I love that no one's even talking about Facebook potentially being an alternative. Uh, like newer ones, like people talk about TikTok being TikTok's not even social media. Like no one talks to their friends on TikTok, or I shouldn't say nobody. Maybe Gen Z's doing that shit, but like mostly it's just YouTube, but with shorter videos. Um, so yeah, there's really no. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it'll be really interesting to see what happens here because it's possible Twitter just like goes down and they fired all the engineers who know how to bring it back up and like. What then? You know, how many um, how many people work at Twitter? Do you know, and how many work there? Work like yeah. have been laid off. I think it was seven thousand prior to the layoffs, and they laid off. I don't think there's any official numbers, but something like fifty percent is what people are saying. And then I saw a people who seem to know what they're talking about on Twitter were kind of saying like, generally, with any layoff, you expect about another fifty percent of whoever got laid off, and another fifty percent quit. In many cases, um, I don't know if that number should be taken too literally, but you've got to imagine a lot of other people are leaving voluntarily. So Twitter could end up with a quarter of what it started with. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. We don't need to belabor this any longer, but I'm uh, I got the popcorn out. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, <laughs> this is right up you? your alley. Yeah, yeah it is. I'm, uh, I, mean, yeah. I don't even I don't even know what's happening. I'm just heads down. Uh, lots of stuff going on with my day job, and then it's open enrollment time for Lega Pelt. So I'm trying to be supportive of JD. JD is carrying the banner, so I am purely emotional support right now. And then I'm in the evenings uh, if I have the energy, trying to work through learning uh, Google advertising uh, and social media advertising and retargeting. And I'm just setting money on fire. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. So for anyone who hasn't listened to the last couple episodes, as of November 1st, you're in open enrollment. This is like basically the only time during the year that people buy health insurance, which is when when you can get new customers more or less. So you're 10 days in, like, how's it going? I've spent $3,000 and I have no idea what it got me. (laughs) 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 I'm just kidding. Like we, so I, I experiment with a bunch of so I guess like high level open enrollment is going well. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably, I feel pretty confident we'll cross a hundred clients, which would be really good. Um, at least on current projections. Um, 
I think it'll pick up towards going into Thanksgiving and then die down and then pick up again in December. Um, that's kind of my, my prediction. Um, we're averaging about a client a week, uh, a bit a day now. Um, renewals are going well. So, you know, high, high level good. Where we're finding traction is not where we thought we were. Our consumer outreach is not producing um, results, which we thought that would be something because we had success with consumer outreach out out of open enrollment period. So we thought when we we did cold outreach to consumers that that would because it's open enrollment be really successful. Either that's not tr- holding or people are just not. It's like too early for them, and yeah. we just haven't gotten the response. So. Um, I would say like overall, like our, we are executing at a high, like at a high quality level, like our execution is good. We have decent strategy. Um, we just, it's 10 days in and we're, we're, we're learning new stuff every day. Um, the, well, go ahead. Can I ask? So you said consumer outreach isn't working, but something's working. What is working? Um, employer outreach is working. So, uh, people who own businesses who either don't offer health insurance or are considering canceling their group health insurance or in the middle of a renewal or like, this is a unique message. Uh, the only messages I get from people are trying to sell me group health insurance. Like, will you help me think through this? And we've gotten um, over a hundred uh, lead employee leads um, from uh, basically census, like employer sharing us their employees information mm. to help them. And that's, that's awesome. pretty good. Um, can I ask, are you doing anything to like enable the, let me draw a parallel to myself. Um, like we've been talking about my integration partnerships and how, when someone builds a partnership with us, we want to like do everything we can to help them achieve their goals. Like, what are you doing? If, if an employer is like, here's a list of 50 people you're allowed to reach out to, are you doing other things like prime the pump to say, well, why don't you, why don't we kind of co-market this basically? Yeah. I mean, JD and I have our meetings on Thursday, our weekly meeting. And this is what we talked about. It's like, how do you, if you just reach out to a employee as an insurance agent, it's like no different than a consumer agent, consumer outreach. Like you have to figure out how to co-market and get introduced. And um, I don't know what the conversion rate will be on a hundred, but like, we'll see, like it's probably greater than 20%. Like, yeah, I guess. I mean, if, if it is, that's, and you're Huge. only 10 days in and you've got a hundred leads so far. Like, yeah, you got that, that, that would be very encouraging. Yeah. So employer outreach is working. And then the, the problem though, is like, I wish we had an employer benefits offering. If we could just say like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, sign up for this and you know, we'll take care of the rest. Like it would really help us because they could sign up add employees, employees would get invites. Like even if we give it away for free, like it would just be something tangible that, facilitates i know back in the day you like i don't know if you still believe this but you were like if we just have a pdf called like what is it a plan document that we can give to an employee it it does absolutely nothing but it's like quote unquote like it's benefits you know um and and just like even if it's like just giving them a mechanism to to introduce us to their employees like that is the that is the like that is like the base product here and we don't have that. And so it's happening via a spreadsheet share and then it's like manual email introductions. Like it's not going to happen. So how do you, how do you do that? I mean, like it it seems to me like the most basic version of this and we're doing this right now. And again, I'm drawing analogies to different things, but like next week, Michael, our head of customer service is like announcing some tweaks to some policies for the customer service team. I'm as we call it, cats on the roofing it 
in the company newsletter this week to just be like, hey, uh, Michael's going to announce some changes next week so that when they get the changes, it's they're not like slapped across the face with it. Like, can the employer just email everyone and say, hey, I like this is Rick. You expect to hear from him. Absolutely. JD. And, and yeah, we should absolutely have have them do that. Um, yes. It's just not like. It's not the same as like a, a interfaced custom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's just you got you got it. So it's very manual for JD and uh, and it doesn't. We haven't quite figured out how to how to sell and enable it. But anyway, it's that's going well. Employer outreach, uh, Google Ads. I'm setting money on fire. I have some <laughs> learnings there. I want to share today. I'll make sure I do that. Um, and then yep. partner outreach is okay. going decently well. Um, you know, so that we're getting like people who work in the space, like we're going out and saying, getting responses. And I've had a couple calls as a result of that. So it's, cool. it's good. Um, you want to dive into the, it sounds like the AdWords thing is the main thing on your mind. You, you, yeah, so you like $3,000 on fire. Say more. Yeah. Um, so first I couldn't light money on fire because Google wouldn't let me. I like the night before open enrollment, I was like, okay, I gotta get my ad set up. And so I was like diving into this and they're like, oh, you want to advertise for health insurance? Well, you need a certification for that. You need to prove to us that you're licensed mm. in order to do that. So I'm like, great. How do I do that? Well, they send me to this third-party website that has an application that isn't a DocuSign document. And it's like <laughs> the weirdest experience of my life. And I had to pay like $70 and sign up for a subscription service to get verified by this third party. They told me when I got submitted the application, it would take up to 14 days. And so I'm like panicking and then I got that they delivered in a couple of days and then I had to go to Google and resubmit that certification to Google. And then that they told me that might take up to 14 days. And so it was like 28 days Ugh. of like anxiety and it ended up getting done in five days. So, okay. So you started this like November 1st. I was started this uh, December, uh, October 30th. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad it didn't take the 28 yeah. days. So then like four or five days ago, I launched ads. Um, and I did a very broad, like Utah target location, but very broad search criteria. And man, our phone is ringing off the hook, which is like great in a way, but they're all just like people who don't speak English or like it's people looking for government Medicaid services, or like mm. they think we're the insurance company and they're on a employer group plan. It's like completely unqualified traffic. So that's what I mean by setting money on fire is, uh, yeah. like I, I, I produced a lot of like demand, uh, for assistance, uh, cause you know, but, but JD, like it took JD away from like our phone rang off the hook for five days. Wow. That's yeah. it. That reminds me of a time we used to have live chat on our website and like we have API documentation, like every company. And we would get people going to that page, clicking on live chat and being like, hi, I'm a web developer that was hired to build an API. Not to work with ours, just to build their own API. And they're like, I don't know how. Can you tell me? <laughs> yeah. like, are you, and you like have a customer service policy. So you're like trying to be nice to them. And it's like, what are yeah. we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you said you did kind of broad, like uh, you didn't narrow it very much. Is that the next step? Like, or are you just done with this? No. So I uh, today, um, I sort of let it play for a few days to like see what happened. Went through all the search terms. I started adding negative key terms to see if that would help. But then it wasn't doing anything. It was still like they would somehow Google would find another crappy key term oh. for us to bid on. 
So then I just moved everything to phrase match. That's and it's very targeted. Like, are it, you doing performance max or I did? I started with two two campaigns, a performance max campaign. For those of you who don't know what performance max is, like basically it's this AI driven um, advertising, like a black box. Yeah, black box. You don't know what the hell's going on, but like Google basically will take your assets and messaging and and the, the, you do get to target certain people based on criteria, but like it takes it across all of its platforms, YouTube, Google mail search display, and you don't have to think about it, but you can't, you don't, you have any idea what's happening. So I did, mm-hmm. I did half, half a budget on that and half the budget on search. Um, and, uh, basically now I'm just search, uh, with, yeah. uh, and I moved from broad match. Like if you're not familiar with advertising, like you can tell Google to pick uh, a, a, to, to advertise for a key a, a keyword or a search term, and you have like three options. You can go like exactly like only show ads to people who exactly search this, or, or you can do like on the other spectrum like do things that like broadly represent this intent. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the middle, you've got like you know phrase match. Like it has to, these words have to appear in the search, and uh, I, I'm now phrase match and. I feel I feel like I'm not setting money on fire anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's we we've had the same experience with Performance Max, where it's exactly what you just what you said at the beginning. Like if you think about all the traffic on the internet, some of it is like qualified traffic with buying intent, and that's what everyone wants. And then there's just all this other stuff that's not that. And Performance Max is basically saying we're gonna use AI to like you don't have to optimize anything. We're just gonna do whatever. And of course, what the AI ends up doing is finding these incredibly cheap clicks that are worthless. So, yeah, like it was sending us. I mean, we got tons and tons of free trial signups and nobody like literally zero people paid. You know, we spent thousands of dollars and and zero people had any real intent. So we had the exact same experience you did. Yep. So now I'm looking at like what we've paid for today and I'm like, OK, I don't like throw up every time I look at a key term. You wouldn't believe how many variations of Medicaid spellings there are. Like, <laughs> it's like there's like at least twenty I've I've seen, and I I just like stopped. I was like I can't do this anymore. I'm not. <laughs> so you doing? Are you you were trying to play whack a mole with like negative keywords? Like, yeah. like none of these should yeah. turn up. Yeah, and it was just like okay, this is dumb. I'm I'm going to so phrase what, match. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was when I was at broad match, and so then I just went to phrase match and was like, okay. I'll, I'll still do, have to do negative keywords here, but like, it'll be much like I'm not going to have Medicaid in any of my phrases. Yeah. So th- those will go away. The other, the other challenge we ran into with, with uh, this was, I'm, I should say everything I'm saying, everything I ever say about marketing is me just regurgitating what Eunice tells me. Cause like, I'm not the one actually doing any of it, but, um, it's, it's also really hard to get, uh, like you don't want, if someone searches for less annoying CRM, I don't want to pay $5 a click to advertise to them um yeah i'm we actually do advertise on our own keywords but you should be paying much 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 lower for your branded keywords but if you do like if you let google wa- run wild with like search intent and stuff they're going to end up just selling you a bunch of traffic that was already googling your website and that's another th- reason not to do those broad uh keywords yep anyway uh <laughs> cool so so okay learning very very quick learning yeah so so i think positive like the negative like i'm being facetious like i've I've definitely wasted some money but like i learned we've learned like our pace of learning right now at leg of health is as rapid as it's ever been and like we're 
building some conviction around uh, what we're going to do for the rest of open enrollment. And we're only 10 days in. So yeah, um, I, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with, like I said, our execution. And um, I think it's only going to improve as we go. And I think the other big update I have is oh. we, we, we updated our website. Sorry, before we dive into that, yeah. uh, one thing I did want to ask, like, is a lesson from the whole like potential 28 day delay plus not having Edwards figured out, like, should you have started this October 15th or October 1st? I mean, yeah. In hindsight, I, I'm not saying this to like blame you, but just like for the listener hearing this, like what I'm hearing is don't launch on the day that you actually want to launch, launch a month before that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yes. But, but that, I think that there's exceptions to that. Whereas like, was I working on the highest pro- priority thing in October? Yes. Like would this have, I got to this as soon as I could. Um, yeah. Okay. And, uh, ran into all sorts of roadblocks that I didn't expect. Um, and you know, that wasn't great. So I, yeah, I should have done it sooner. Um, but I don't like, I wasn't trying to point fingers. Just, no, no, yeah, no, 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 you're right. But it's a good point. Like, yeah, if you're, especially in a regulated industry, I think like if, listen, if we weren't in a regulated industry, it would have been an issue. If you're in a regulated industry, like you have to like just add buffer to everything you want to do because there's all this stuff that you never think about that ends up smacking in the face. It reminds me of all the people who, um, I'm sure you've met people like this who are like, oh yeah, I'm a, an aspiring entrepreneur. I want to start a business one day, but like everything's not right. I don't have the perfect idea yet or this or that. And I'm just always like, well, when you have that perfect idea, you're sure to fail because it's going to be your first time trying. Mm. Um, like try and f- like assume your first attempt's going to be a failure and don't waste that. Don't have that failure happen when it counts. Yep. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think like if I go a very important thing for me before I wanted to test any advertising was getting our messaging and website. Right. And so getting that out was priority number one. It just took longer than yeah, um, yeah. I would have liked, but I'm very, very happy with our website now. Uh, that was another big thing that we launched and people like, we are very clear about what we do now. Um, I can explain it. It gets reinforced throughout our website. Our website's converting people. Nice. It's, and so that's, that's great. Yeah, it looks good. Um, Thanks. Did you have, uh, sorry, I kind of cut you off when you were going to the website earlier. Do you have any like deep dive top, like discussion on that? Um, just that like messaging is hard and you know, you know, like I know we have it right now. I have super really high confidence. We have it right. And it, that feels, it's a huge relief. Uh, and it's, it's unlocked a lot of, um, unblocked a lot of work, um, and so uh, now it's just like, I feel like we're in just preaching mode versus like, like testing mode. So yeah, um, that's cool. And, and so it's good. Can I tell a little anecdote about yeah. messaging being hard? Yeah. So um, we've all seen these like Twitter threads where someone's like, I'm going to like break down how some successful business, how they do it. Right. Um, for the first time ever, uh, this was a few months ago, someone did this on the less annoying CRM homepage. It was like, here's like, an amazing way to position yourself and do all this. And it was like a really flattering thread that acted like we're just like experts on everything. But we were literally the day that this got tweeted, Eunice was about to push the button to completely change all our messaging. <laughs> she was like, I'm just going to ruin this guy. All this work this guy put in to talk about how great our messaging is. And I'm going to ruin it by because com- it wasn't actually working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, I only say that to say uh, if someone's out there like trying to learn best practices, even there's just a huge amount of misinformation out there. Um, but uh, like you just the have best, to do it and see what works. Yeah. Do it. best. Work. The, the best framework that we found for this 
was, do you remember that book? Um, obviously uh, was, awesome. Obviously awesome. Yes. That I re, we reworked for that through that framework and that was really helpful. The, where, where we were the big, the big epiphany we had was getting really focused on what makes us unique as an agent, not trying to be mm. like two things, like not trying to be an agent who does everything. Uh, and also not trying not to be an agent. Like those are the two things we've been trying to do is like, Hey, we want to be an agent and just say all the things that we do. Um, or like we're trying to position ourselves as a concierge and not say we're an agent. Like, no, we're an agent, but we are unique in four ways. And those four mm -hmm. ways are really important. Um, and, uh, now we know what those four things are and we're just going to preach, preach, preach. Cool. Well, that's awesome. I'm, um, I said this before, but I'm my, if, if I were like betting, uh, I bet the end of open enrollment is going to be like an order of magnitude more activity than right now. Cause even internally at Lessening Serum, we can't get our employees to elect. There's no, there's no decisions to make. It's like push this button and we are like hounding people like the day before it's due. Like, and it's not like a mass email. We're like, Hey, person sitting next to me, whose name I know push the button. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's encouraging that so much good stuff's happening this early in open enrollment. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I'm, uh, it's definitely, uh, listen, I, I have a lot of conviction already about what we need to do next year. And I think that, um, it's going to like uh, anything that happens is all is icing. Um, at this point, I feel really good about, I don't know. I've never, people keep uh, for 10 years. I'd never felt like we were ready for open enrollment. Yeah. Like this time of year. Um, and I just, I'm really proud of, uh, our preparation and how we're executing. I just, yeah, we're going to leave it all out on the field. And I, like, I feel really good about it. So thanks for, thanks for listening to me and being interested in this. I, yeah, I've, I, I need to, I have one more thing. Can I talk about one more thing that is of interest to you? And I, 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 I it's related to the website and then let's go to your topics because I, I know this, uh, I'm less interesting than you. Take it away. Um, the, the, okay. Open graph. Yeah. How have I gone 10 years without understanding that knowing what I know about SEO? I just now like figured out what open graph was. Hmm. Like you've you never done any open graph stuff at all prior to this. I never, ever thought about it. Like even when I saw it in Webflow, I was like, what the, what is that? I'm going to say, fuck, fuck. I, what the Rick's fuck is trying what? to get the listeners engaged <laughs> with profanity? <laughs> <laughs> what and then, so yeah, like I I every time we share our website on social media, like a health, JD's fat it, image of his face is like <laughs> like the, the, the social sharing thing. <laughs> and so I'm like, why is this happening? He's like texting me, like, why is this happening? I want to share a site on social media. So went through and like, apparently some way I've configured Webflow is like grabbing that image because it was the last image I uploaded to. Mm. Uh, and it, so, so yeah, do you want to like, for people who don't know what op open graph is like, want to give you, the TLDR? You do it. Cause I, I ended up uh cop. I, I, I remember you, I remembered you telling me about this at some point and me not understanding. So I went and found that. And anyway, okay. good. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe there's more to it that you want to share, but like basically if you post a link to a website in any number of places, like on Facebook or Twitter or Slack, it doesn't just share the link. It shares like a little snippet to, to preview the website. Um, where does that snippet come from? How does it get the text? How does it get the image? The text is easy. It, normally, it's just going to take like the title page. Like it's the same as basic SEO. If you're doing your text-based SEO, fine. That's not a problem. But the image, you can either tell it 
when someone embeds this on Facebook, use this image, or you can not tell it that, in which case it's just going to pick an image, and it <laughs> seems like he's picking JD's fat fucking face. <laughs> Did I get that right? <laughs> and he is JD's. JD's a beautiful human being. I want to be very clear. And he's very fit. Uh, we have a fit, uh, but he, but just like, a he, big he, image. It, just of like his head. It, it kind of blo- it distorts his image. You know, like it distorts his face, like because it's not the right <laughs> size, and um, it's not. A tr- it's not like what, what what it's not representative of our brand. And what and f- final thing I'll add to this: what Webflow says. So I wish Webflow. What what I wanted last time I set up a website was like just use this image no matter what page it is. Like. I, I wanted because I was setting up lessonknowingbusiness.com, which is like my blog. And I was like, just here's a generic graphic, use this for every page. And Webflow is like, no. So what you're supposed to do is every page should have its own custom graphic that like when you see like a blog post, like the image has the title of the blog post in it or some other relevant graphic, which really causes people to be more likely to click through from Twitter or Facebook or wherever. So you yep. did that basically. I haven't done it because I don't know how to design oh. things. So I've hit a wall. So I've hit a wall in two areas. I've hit a wall in design, but it's affecting um, this open graph issue and our ability to share on social media with just organically. Uh, and then it's also hitting like display ads for retargeting. And so I've got to my my next sort of like project now that I've got the Google advertising situation under control is I got to learn how to design things. And I have no idea where to start. Maybe that's another topic we can talk about another time. I I actually think I have. So I'm like uh, a better designer than most people and like definitely not as good as like if you hired a professional designer. So I because of that, I've I find a lot of tricks that get you, you know, 90, 95 percent of the way there. My trick for uh, open graph images. So take go on like uh, Unsplash or is it Unsplash, Unbounce, whatever. No, Unsplash, like some good, high quality, free, royalty free photo thing. Pick a cool, like generic image. So like a mountain or whatever. Put that as the background, then take a draw a rectangle over it that covers the whole canvas and just like make it 80 percent opacity. So you can kind of see the image poking through the the color and then make the color just a gradient from like green to blue or whatever, like bright, vibrant colors. Right there, you've got an interesting visual that means absolutely nothing but looks decent. And then just put the t- the title of the page as text in bold white text above it. That'll get you like 90% of the way there if you just do that. Thank you so much. What tool would you use to do this in? I would do it in Figma. I think the average person should probably do it in Canva. Why, why Figma over Canva? Just because I use Figma all the time, I'm very comfortable with it. But like Figma is a lot more powerful than Canva. So like if if you don't want to otherwise, if you don't otherwise have use for learning how to use this tool, Canva is going to have a shorter learning curve. Okay. Thank you. I think you just saved me hours of work. So um, (laughs) I will, uh, I am going to um, fix this problem and Jenny's going to be very happy about it. Um, Go like... Here, I tell you what, this this will benefit me. Tweet a link to your favorite blog post on less, less Annoying Business and you'll see my open graph image and then you can copy that. <laughs> I've already gone to the page source of your uh, okay. blogs and looked at what you've done. And you you actually, it's ironic because I we have a Utah focus and your background image and your yep. um, open graph images is the Utah famous arch picture. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> sure Art, is. Arches, okay, so part. you did your research. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, d- does that one look decent enough to you? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it's perfect. It's it's like, it's exactly what you said. It's like good enough um, and it's better than nothing or JD's uh, distorted face. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess it's my turn to talk then, huh? Thank you for indulging me in like the majority of the episode. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about the business right now. So yeah, no, that's cool. I, I expect at least until the end of open enrollment, these episodes are mostly about you. Oh, thanks. Um, I also don't, I mean, I have like there sometimes I always have stuff to say. I always have like, you know, it's a 19 person company. Something's happened in the last two weeks, but sometimes it's more interesting than others. I don't think I have a ton of really, uh, really juicy stuff. Um, yeah, I'll start here. I every six months give a presentation to the company. If you've been a longtime listener, you've heard me say this like six different times. But uh, the the cadence is meet with the leadership team, make some dis- decisions, whatever. Then the leadership team presents to the company, and then I do six months. I, I do a one on one with each person at the company, where we talk about whatever they want, but like reactions to the presentation and stuff like that. So I'm uh, two thirds of the way through those one on ones right now gave the presentation, all that stuff. Um, what's, what's learnings? Like, is, is it different? Like economic uncertainty causing any strife? Like what's, what's the topic? Yeah. So I, I never know how much, uh, I, I've been, t- I, I try to talk about the economic uncertainty, like in our newsletter. And I mentioned it in the presentation, but I also think I gotta be careful. Cause like, it's hard to talk about it and not make it sound like I'm saying layoffs are coming. Um, Cause like my point is like layoffs aren't coming. We're bootstrapped. We're profitable. You don't need to worry about it. Let's, but let's see what we can learn from all these other companies that are having a lot of problems. But like, if you talk about, if you say the word layoff as a boss, employees don't hear any of the words on the other sides of that, that word. Um, so I think I might be shooting myself in, in the foot, even mentioning it, but yeah, I did mention it. Um, I, I, I didn't really have much to say about it. I was like, you know, we're just going to wait. Like none of this has impacted us yet. But if it does, we, we might like stop getting catered lunch once once a week, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll deal with it when it yeah. impacts us. We'll talk about it and we'll we'll deal with it. Yeah, I do think like so the most obvious thing in a layoff is, or not layoff. Oh, got to stop saying that word. Uh, recession is like just cut costs. But there is, I think, other stuff to consider, like should it change product priorities? Should we you know, you could do stuff to retain current customers like. I, I haven't gone deep into that. Um, maybe I should. Um, but yeah, that so one one thing I talked about was the financial update, partially recession stuff, partially just like we're already in a growth slump anyway. The big theme I said there was like six months ago, the whole point of the presentation was like, we're in a growth slump. We need to get out of it. Here's the plan. In this one, I was kind of like, we haven't gotten out of it yet, but we're actually in a better position than we were six months ago. We haven't gotten our growth back on track, but we have six months of stability. Six months ago, it was like, are we actually dropping still? It wasn't clear. Um, now it's like, we're not dropping. We're stable. We're growing. We're just growing slowly. Uh, and we have more money in the bank because we've slightly overperformed what my forecasts were and stuff like that. So it was like, we still need to fix this problem, but we, we actually have a little more runway to fix it than we did six months ago. So that was one theme. Um, I announced a couple new policies. I never know if people care about this, but I'll just say it. like, Because uh, you know when you're running a business in the, in the early early days, you're like, there are no policies. Just let's make it work. Like you and JD, certainly I don't think are like trying to write wiki articles about whether or not to do support on Thanksgiving. You've got bigger things to work on there. Uh, but that's where we are now is like for a long time, we're like, I don't know. We don't get many support requests on Thanksgiving and no one wants to work. So maybe if someone just checks it a couple times throughout the day, we're fine. We officially decided Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, we're not going to do support anymore. 
and we're shutting down phone support. We're just not taking voicemails from December 23rd to January 2nd. So that's like one policy change. That's a pretty big decision. Um, I I think that's interesting, interesting to dive into. Uh, Wow. Like that's a big decision, Um, especially for, for uh, seasonal businesses um, that may be using your um, product on those days, like heavily. Uh, uh, sorry, I should say people can still book calls with us. We are not monitoring inbound phone calls. Okay, got it. Because the, the reason for this being like booked calls are very predictable. We can say, here's how many slots there are. Once they're gone, they're gone. We know how many people are working. We can allocate the right number of slots. With inbound phone calls, it's like someone has to be sitting waiting for the phone to ring all day. Mm. But the reality is during that time of year, like almost no one calls. So it's got a it. huge waste of a person's time. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, so it sounds like you'll have like emergency on call support still. Got it. Okay. Then that is not as big of a deal as I thought it was. Um, yeah, but it, it's just one of those things where if you don't like, eventually you have to write down a policy for all these little things. And otherwise you have to make the decisions like, and it gets so complex that it hurts your brain and you're not, able to function on what matters because this doesn't matter yeah fundamentally this doesn't matter from like a decision making standpoint anymore um right and i'm actually i'm going to tie this into something i'm going to say in a minute but like it also creates potentially like inequity between employees where like is there pressure to occasionally work christmas day because we kind of say like in theory we will respond prior to this we said like yeah if someone emails us on christmas not many people do but if they do we're kind of doing support and then a new we hire a new CRM coach and they're like, well, does that mean like one out of every five Christmases I should be working? I don't really know. And if you don't define it, some employees step up and do it and some don't. And it's kind of unfair to the people who do. Um, another little minor policy thing this year. So we coming back from the pandemic, we're more remote than we were before, but still not fully remote. But one thing we did was two remote periods, three week periods. So three weeks in the winter, three weeks in the summer, where like we kind of went remote first, shut the office down. Uh, basically, everyone loved it in the winter. Like I kind of talked to everybody, like how was it? Everyone loved the winter one, and everyone was like, "We don't need the summer one." So we're getting rid of the summer one next year. Um, there's probably no interesting takeaways there. I'm just brain dumping here. <laughs> Let's see. Um... What, what, um, like, man, like, did you like upset anyone? Like, does anyone, is there anything emotion in this like six month update or is it more like just like, Hey, everything's good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all it, this was the least inspired six month presentation I've ever get. Like I was a, a week before when I, I had all this time blocked off of my calendar, like start preparing the presentation. I was like, I don't even know what to talk about. Um, the stuff like there's always this kind of somewhat emotionless, like here are some policy updates. Then I normally do a deep dive on some topic. The topic this time was how we do project management, which certainly is not particularly (laughs) emotional. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I think it is more interesting, at least than the other stuff. Maybe it won't make for interesting radio here, but like it was like the way we decide what projects to work on, the way we prioritize stuff. I actually talked about this on the podcast that what we've always done is each developer works on a separate project. So like if we have two developers working kind of on two different features or whatever, if we have three developers working on three different features, the biggest part of this change in my mind is we're going to say, no, let's let's define what the most important thing is. And everyone for whom it makes sense to work on that will be working on it. And maybe there's like a second or third based on skill set or like too many cooks in the kitchen, but we're not going to be working on six different projects anymore. We're going to be working on two. 
Um, that's probably the biggest change that came out of it. And yeah, I, I, I've been talking to people in one-on-ones and I think people are excited for that. That's, that's cool. Um, I, listen, I think you have some really exciting things happening right now. Did you guys get into like integrations and like specific growth strategies that are, that are starting to get some traction or was that more like a kind of part of like the, the day to day already and it didn't make sense to bring it up in the six month? Yeah. Good question. So two, two answers to that one, the, the format of the presentation is we have a leadership team, which is kind of like the leader of each part of the business. So customer service, dev, DEI work and growth. And so the growth, Eunice, our growth person, gave a presentation before I talked. Like it's an hour and a half presentation. The first 45 minutes to an hour is the, the other leaders talking. She talked about, here's what we're doing for growth. So oh, it was cool. covered, but not by me. Um, but additionally, yeah, like I do send a newsletter out every week where I, the reason this this presentation was so boring, I think, is because like it doesn't make sense to hold in, important information so that I can like blow everyone's mind in this presentation. So I just tell people stuff as it comes up. And as a result, I don't really have a ton of news that people don't already know to share in this. That's interesting. Yeah. Like if, if this, if I were Steve jobs, I'd be like, I'm going to keep everyone in the dark so that this presentation will be really snazzy. And like, I think that's a really stupid way to do things. Well, I mean, a good, the leadership, all the leadership books say that, you know, the, you want to be 90% reinforcement, 10% new information, not like 90% mm. new information when you're speaking like, uh, you know, 10% uh, reinforcement. So it sounds like you're doing it right. That's fair. Uh, yeah. But I, that's actually a great reminder. Um, I probably, I, I know the reinforcement thing a little, but I probably like, I was, when I said I was like, not sure what to talk about, I wasn't thinking, oh, I can just talk about stuff I've already talked about. I was like, it's got to be new, but it's going to be like a pretty minor new thing because, I've already said all the major new things. Reinforcement's a good word to keep in my head for next time I do that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's what happens as the company grows and becomes more stable, and it's, yeah, it's like you want people to focus on the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. Um, well, do you have any up- updates on your integration work? I'm super interested yeah. in that in, the, in that project. I think it's yeah. super cool. For if you have if you haven't heard, uh, Tyler's uh, basically building a growth model through integrations. It's really interesting. And, yeah, and, I mean, and value we'll add to their customers. We'll see if it's a growth model. Because like the mm-hmm. basic, the, the pitch is, right, we have a lot of users relative to our number of integrations. So if you build an integration with us, we'll send it to your users. The people building integrations primarily are smaller companies that don't have many customers to send to us. So it's kind of like make our product better is the first win. And then maybe this leads to customers, question mark. Um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, update. So... I think last time I talked, I said basically that Reform, the form building tool, and Zip Message had both launched their integrations. One very cool and kind of weird thing is Peter, the founder of Reform, has a podcast called Out of Beta, which I listen to. And I think he listens to this, maybe. So we're kind of talking to each other through parasocial relationships on podcasts. (laughs) It's not a parasocial Um, relationship anymore. Well, it's like two, it's a bi-directional parasocial relationship (laughs) sort of anyway. uh, But so what was very, very cool is um, the last, both of the last two episodes on uh, out of beta, he talked about this integration and two episodes ago, he was like, Oh yeah. Like it, it went really well or it's going really well. And it was very almost like an out of body experience hearing all the things I told you that I want it to be like, I want them to be like, oh, we got a, a bunch of new signups from it. And like, 
the, like this marketing support and like the communication worked well. And like, I just want to be a good partner. And like, he was, he just said all of those things on the podcast and it was, it was awesome to hear and kind of surreal. Um, now it still needs to be like, it'll be months before I think anyone can say this definitely worked or didn't, but, uh, that was cool. That's awesome. Is there any insight into how, like, uh, did he share publicly any insight into, uh, signups or numbers or conversions from listening? He didn't say numbers, but I think he said like knowing what he knows about how many customers we have, he thinks, uh, I could be getting this wrong. I think he said he thinks 0.5% of all of our users signed up or maybe oh. all of our customers, which is like, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. That's cool. Um, I don't think that would, I don't think like everyone who builds an integration with us should expect that because a web form tool was one of our most requested tools and we didn't have anything prior to this. Uh, whereas zip message, I would guess got significantly fewer cause like our customers were not knocking down our door. Like, Hey, can we have an integration with an asynchronous video messaging tool? Um, but yeah, I, it's, it sounds like, like over over a hundred people probably if I'm inferring correctly from that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's neat. And our customers are happy, right? They're like, we've wanted integrations like this for a long time. That's awesome. Win, win, win. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, we've got another, we've got like two more that have like kind of soft launched, like you could go use them right now, but we haven't announced them yet. So, uh, the next two newsletters we have, we already have new integrations to announce in each of them. Eunice launched like a public integ integrations directory on our marketing site. So you can go there and like, you've seen this on a million other kind of bigger SaaS tools, websites where you can filter, like, I want to see the web form builders, even though there's only one. Um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of marching ahead on that. We, we also just got a landing page up for pitching the partner, the integration partner thing where it's like, here's what we'll do for you. So my hope is like, we're still months away from me really, really stepping on the gas here because we don't have our new API fully launched. But once we do, we've got all the pieces in place to like, I'm going to go on Twitter, assuming it still exists. <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm going to talk more about it on the podcast and be like, here is the, the landing page. If you're interested, it's going to sell you on the idea of building an integration. That's awesome. It's great. Thanks. I, yeah, I, I'm, I, obviously this idea came up independently of you but i do think you're like being a cheerleader for it has kind of pushed both me and eunice to um to push a little harder so so thank you for that this stuff just this stuff has so much um word of mouth uh good good the, like i don't know what the right word is but like good mojo yeah. like i just think this has so much like potential and you don't know where it's going to come from but like man i just it's cool you, you know what else feels it just what what I, We'll see, does it actually get us customers? Because again, mm -hmm. it's mostly us sending customers the other direction. But the thing that feels so cool about it to me, I keep, I've said a million times on this podcast, I've never really found like a good marketing channel. And what I really mean by that, we've had marketing channels that bring us users, but we've never found one where it's like, if we put in 10 hours of work, we get out some output. And so if it's working, we could do more of it and get more output. This is the first time it's like, oh yeah, like we are repeating this partnership with multiple people over and over. And like, I'm pretty sure we can keep doing this more. It's I've almost borderline never felt this in the whole history of the company, like having an actual repeatable model. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, I'm looking at your integration page. It looks great. Um, Thanks. On lessannoyingserum.com. Uh, what are you using for the search um, functionality? 
JetBoost. JetBoost. I knew it. Um, yep. Is that pretty easy to implement? Like, did you have to be involved in that or did you just take care of it 100%? I, had, I, I, I was the one who knew about it. So she built it with like some other approach. I don't know how. And I was like, looks great. Use JetBoost. <laughs> that was my involvement. Very cool. Um, yeah. The, the no code ecosystem at mm-hmm. work. Um, what else do I have here? Yeah, so I know we we already kind of talked about recession stuff, but like we we talked about it in the context of did I talk about it in this presentation and does it affect less knowing serum? I'm curious, not that this is the first time we've talked about it, but like a lot's been happening. Stripe in particular just laid off 14% of their employees. Um, a lot of the other layoffs you see, like Meta laid off people, but it's like, well, yeah, Meta's a garbage company like or like they're they're doing layoffs because the business is suffering like yeah, they're different. a bad yeah. stripe and meta are not the same thing right and twitter's another one where it's like the layoffs there have very little to do with macroeconomic circumstances but like stripe is the darling of silicon valley it seems like they're still growing everything's going well i have my own thoughts on this but like does the fact that they did layoffs mean anything to you yeah what does it mean to you? Uh, it means something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause, okay. I mean, it, it's a signal. Like it's, uh, I think, um, this is good. It just says like, Hey, this is big. Like this is a big shift in the macroeconomic environment. Um, everyone will be affected. Like, yeah. Uh, even well, that's the question. Like there is no recession outside of tech right now. Right. Like it's only tech companies doing layoffs. Every other industry is booming as far as I can tell. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I get the I mean, I haven't really looked into this, so I, I've had my head in the, down. But like the signals I look at are like I look at the market like S&P 500 is sort of my go to like, OK, what's happening there? And then I like look at interest rates and I look at home sales um, and then I start talking to people and like the other like big signal that I have access to through windfall is I run our talent acquisition or I'm the executive cat runs our, our talent acquisition team, but I help manage it from an executive level and like agencies like, um, are huge like leaders. So when you're doing recruiting at a, any size firm, but like you, you kind of have two levers to pull. Um, you can try to hire people yourselves by posting ads on, uh, like job boards or, getting referrals or hiring a recruiter to work for you, like on, on salary to reach out to people. Um, or you can contract with third party firms to do recruiting for you on, uh, you know, either a retained or a contingent basis where you pay them a percentage of the person's salary. If you hire them, agencies are dropping their fees, like 50%. Mm. They are letting people go. And that is a huge signal that hiring is slowing, um, uh, across the board. Now, a lot of the agencies that we work with are like indexed into tech. Um, yeah, so there okay, could be, it say. could be part of like, it could be part of that, but it's, it, it doesn't feel limited to tech to me. Um, I don't have any good data points to back that up. Like, but, like it doesn't feel like it. Unemployment is still like effectively zero outside of the tech industry. Anyway, I, I definitely by the argument that like this is the very early stages of it affecting other industries and it will but like and maybe this moment i'm wrong but a month ago i think this would have been right that like there's a recession in tech and not elsewhere and you could i, I mean 
Yeah. What is the definition of a recession? I never remember, but like, well, I, I think I, we're already technically in, a, in yeah. the most common one is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, I believe. And okay. I think we're already there. Um, but colloquially, people just mean like a shitstorm. Right? Yeah, I think a shitstorm. Like, I think we're in for a, a a really difficult like time for the next couple of years. That's yeah, diff- very different. Yeah. So like the doom and gloom story of Stripe doing layoffs, because they said in that announcement, like we just hit our new record of transactions, like we've been growing. The but the doom and gloom version is Stripe has more access than almost any company on earth to like real data about how the economy is doing, not just their credit card, like the transactions they're processing, but they know people's churn rates. Uh, they know like expansion revenue. They, they have all these like metrics. Um, and the you could say, well, they see something brewing that other economic indicators haven't caught on to yet. Or the optimistic take is like, everyone else is doing layoffs. This is a great opportunity to get rid of your 14% worst employees. Like it could be either side. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think... Yeah, I, I, I think this is gonna get bad, man. Like, I, I just, I, I can't tell. I'm not like an economist. I can't, I'm not like gonna be able to articulate why, it, so that it makes total sense. But I just, all the sig- the signals that I see are not positive. To some extent, if everyone agrees it's gonna be bad, then it will be bad, mm-hmm. and it seems like increasingly everyone agrees on that. Um, although, yeah. So then there's back to the like, how does this affect not necessarily our company specifically, but like the people listening to this and all that. I, I do think, so Mark Benioff, the founder of Salesforce, has said his biggest regret professionally or his biggest mistake or whatever is that he like reduced investment during the 2008 like Great Recession, that he kind of slowed things down. And he was like, the best companies in the world, their biggest periods of growth are right after a recession. It's probably not the case that a recession's good for the company in the short term. Like probably things do get worse, you drop, things are hard, but like the the period right as things start bouncing back seems like a really critical point in time. And so I have started kind of thinking like what do you do with that? Like one way to look at it is don't do anything. Like just just stick to the plan and while everyone else around you crumbles, if you can make it through, that's great. Another part of me is like start cutting now so that we have more money to invest. Like you can't buy the dip if you don't sell before the dip right uh so anyway i'm not uh, this is all just idle daydreaming i'm, I'm not like actually doing anything but those are thoughts I mean, going through my head I, I, I hindsight with everything is so much easier than foresight like i wish i had bought property in park city in 2008 in 2009 <laughs> yeah. 2010 2011 2012 like i wish i had done a lot of things differently in the past um i i, I unfortunately like there's no crystal ball. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. All I can do, like, that's part of the reason, like, I like uh, default alive startup to last companies is um, you can survive uncertainty, um, you know, and uh, in a way that, like, you have a lot more, um, you know, uh, you have a lot more chances of success uh, or survival through uncertainty than um, a company that's living on the edge. Yeah. L- let me try to string together a few different things and maybe pull an insight out of it, or maybe this will be a bunch of hot air. Um, Ben Ornstein, the founder of Tuple on his podcast, uh, Art of Product, like he has, okay, what happened is they started Tuple to replace a different product, Screen Hero, that it was a pair programming, remote pair programming app. 
people like Screen Hero. Slack acquired it. And then um, they started Tuple to kind of replace what was lost with Screen Hero. And then after Tuple had started, Slack shut down Screen Hero. And that was, I mean, Tuple probably would have been a big success anyway, but that was like a really nice moment like of tons of customers went from Screen Hero to Tuple. And if you listen to the podcast at that time, this was two years ago or something, Ben is like, yeah, this was incredibly lucky, but you have to be there. You have to have the thing already there to capture the luck when it happens. Um, so what I just said that like right after a recession is when all the opportunity is. I don't think that means start a company right after a recession. I think that means start a company right now and have it not have it still exist. Um, sorry, I'm going to continue torturing this storyline here but back to the out of beta podcast with peter from reform if you go listen to their most recent episode he's basically like reform's not default alive yet it's still pretty small it's a good product but it's a competitive space and he's basically like we're just trying to figure out like yeah growth but also like how do we make our lifestyles more sustainable maybe it's getting a side job or whatever how do we make it so the company can just continue existing and i think that's ag ag absolutely the right attitude to have right now for all kinds of bootstrap companies is just i want to still exist when the upswing comes it doesn't even like be a cockroach basically I want to survive yeah but but like i i think a lot of times when people talk about surviving they mean it differently they mean it like i want to i want to grow through it or i i like i don't know they don't mean i'm gonna like go into stasis and just be i'm gonna have this reservoir to collect luck when the opportunity arises two I, I, years from I, now. I, I like the um, surface area. Like you can't lucky things don't have good luck doesn't happen when you don't like have the potential for it. Um, yeah. And so you're basically saying preserve luck. Uh, the upper, Preserve a service area for luck as the priority. And like, you know, that may mean thinking about your business differently. It may mean thinking about your time differently. Um, it's not like, one thing you really helped me with in the last podcast was I was feeling like, Oh God, like either open enrollment is going to be successful or it's not. And leg up health's future is dependent on open enrollment being successful. Like it was zero and one. It's like, no, no, no. There are infinite like <laughs> scenarios between shutting the business down and it failing and it being done and it succeeding uh, perfectly as I imagine it. And you know, there are, that's what I think what you're getting at is like, yeah, you can, you can survive this and, and be in like delay your dreams, um, and into a better time if you're thoughtful about it. Yeah. Well, and that you a hundred percent agree and you can't get lucky. Your business can't get lucky if you don't have a business. Correct. We're going to have a big luck supernova potentially two years from now. And maybe the right way to react is right now is to say, I have to have like if you don't have a business right now, this is this is a terrible time and a great time to start one. I think. Anyway, maybe that was me trying too much to be a, a thought leader and get you're the great. Uh, you're a great get thought the leader. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, you got anything else before we call it here? Nope, um, not at all. I, I'm definitely gonna go uh, at some point in the next day or two build open graph images on Figma or Canva. So do um, it. You know, I'll have to. Uh, I'll, I'll be tweeting about it if you um, are interested. <laughs> All right. Uh, sounds good. So uh, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startlast.com. See you next week. See ya.